This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 56. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the baby leaped in her room, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord, that the mother of my Lord, should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Christmas is a season of joy. Uh, The shepherds heard good tidings of great joy. The songs, they highlight joy to the world. The Lord has come. Uh, O come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant, joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. It's a season of joy, and this morning I want to talk about two ingredients for joy. I want to set up the the Bible passage that was read, Luke chapter 1. I want to set that up a minute. I really think we need to take joy more seriously. It's a nice thing. It's a fun thing to sing about at Christmas time and talk about at Christmas time. Let's talk about joy. And that's legit. But joy, really, it's a year-round character trait for Christians. We, We know in this world that there's very few things that are always and never. Right? Sometimes I've heard people say, I am never going to do that again. Or, you always say that. And, and I think to myself, Really? <laughs> Always? I don't, I don't think so. But, but, but just because there's very few things that are always and never, it doesn't mean that there's not anything that's in that kind of always category. I'm sure before uh, sometimes that, that I like to keep track of different topics. When I'm just in my personal Bible reading, I, I track different topics And the most recent topic I've started to track is it's an always category. I've I've got a three-by-five card, and when I find something in the Bible that is in that, this this is what Christians should always be about doing, I'm I'm making note of it. And so far I've got five things in that always category. And three of them, they're just back-to-back-to-back in 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, be joyful always. Pray continually and, and continually. Okay, that's kind of an adult. If you're continually doing something, that's an always category. And, and give thanks in all circumstances. So joy, prayer, thanks. It ends, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you know what God's will for you is, but you didn't do it, what, what would you call that? It is God's will that the Christians are, among other things, we are joyful always. You see why I, I really think we need to take joy more seriously. Interesting, when I have been, and I haven't been doing this much more, longer than a month, but when I've been looking for some of those always verses, the only one that I've found repeated is the one about joy. It, it's in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, 2 Corinthians 6.10, uh, Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Exclamation mark. As a Christian matures, joy, rejoicing, is increasingly a part of their character. That that's my setup for for Luke chapter one. Mary is coming to to visit Elizabeth. And I think there's just a mood of joy with these women. They're carrying children. There's a mood of joy in the air. And Elizabeth's baby, John, moves inside her. Now, a six-month pre-born baby moving is not particularly unusual. Okay? Babies can kick and they can suck their thumb and they can wiggle around a little bit. That is not particularly unusual. But in verse Luke 1, verse 41, it says, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning that the, the next things Elizabeth is going to say is, in a sense, conveying the mind of God on things. And she interprets this movement as a leap of joy. When Mary, coming with Jesus, <laughs> greets her. It's a leap of joy. J just in the mind of God, there is joy with, with Jesus' presence. And realize, Mary, at this point, Jesus is just like days from being conceived. And, and yet just his presence, his entering into human history, that, that's cause enough for joy. Mary is also filled with, with Joy inside. Verse 47, it said, my, she says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Her spirit, she's talking about well, what's deep inside her. Her spirit is rejoicing. Here you get somebody that is young, uh, female, she's poor. You think about that culture and they're not particularly lifted up and, and respected too much. And yet she's rejoicing that God would use her for his eternal purposes. Let's, let's think about what joy is. I need three third graders to help me uh, 
just like define what joy is. Three third graders. Come, come on up. Come on up. Two, are you? Come on up. I'm not going to worry if they're... Come on up. Tyler, you were in third grade. You're not... No, I, I know that. We've got four third... Hey, that's fine. I'm actually ready for this. I just wonder if it's going to happen in the next service. Okay, w- would you like a dollar? I'll take that as a yes. Okay, and here... This, the reason I have them up here is this is joy. This is a nonverbal, just different. Would, would you like another dollar? <laughs> I did not expect that, the, the, the shake the other way. Well, I'll, I'll give you another dollar anyway. There you go. Well, oh. Now, I don't, I don't know if this is more joy or, you know, how you nuance that. Would you guys like $100? No. I thought they would say yes, and then I would ask them to find somebody. Hey, thank you for, thank you for helping me out. No, you get to keep that. That is yours to keep. These kids are polite. I can't, well, I can believe that. I can, you've raised them well. So, so they've expressed joy, uh, delight, excitement, happiness. Okay, that's joy. I'll call that $2 joy. Okay? And there's a lot of $2 joy, and that is wonderful. If you can get $2 joy, great. In the Bible, these words about joy, it's, it's deeper than $2 joy. It is not based on circumstances. It's, it's grounded in who God is. It comes from God. His activity in the world and in our life, that's where the, this joy is grounded in. And because of that, biblical joy, it's not based on your outward circumstances, whether you have $2 or not. There still can be a, a deep joy. A couple of Bible passages about that. James 1, 2 through 4. Consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Okay, so why consider pure joy when you face trials? Well, why? Well, because God is at work making you mature and complete, not lacking anything. You can have joy in trials. Um, Jesus, it says, for, for the joy set before him, he even endured the cross, thinking of the joy set before him. First Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Mary, Luke chapter 2, she's rejoicing in God her Savior. She's still poor, it didn't change her economic status. You recall, it wasn't that long after Jesus was born. They're, they're fleeing to Egypt. They're refugees. She still has joy because of God's activity in her life. Biblical joy doesn't leave us when hard times come in. So here are the, the two ingredients 
that, that I see so far for th- this deep inner joy. You need a great God and you need a humble heart. You need a great God and a humble heart. Mary describes God this way. He's her savior, the mighty one who does mighty deeds. He's holy. He's merciful. Earlier, verse uh, 37 said nothing. The angel said nothing is impossible with God. If you don't have a great God that's involved in this world, you can't have lasting joy. You can have two dollar joy, but this enduring joy you can't have it if you don't have a great God that's involved in the world. The, the God of the Bible, in, in his greatness, he's mighty, he's holy, you know, doer the impossible. He's not all that and separate from the world. This great God is involved in the world, working on our behalf as our Savior, meeting our deepest needs. Three years ago, this coming February, so not quite three years ago, my mother died. And I, and I shared just a little piece of this one time where not long before she died in the hospital, they sent a, a palliative care doctor in. And, and that's one of these doctors that helps you feel comfortable in, in your last days. They make sure you're not in pain. That's what their job is. It's a, it's a very valuable, wonderful job. And it was a lady. She came in and she asked my mom, what are you afraid of? Now you imagine you're, you're in your last days and you're asked, what are you afraid of? And my mom was thinking, I'm going to be meeting my maker, you know, soon. And she said, what if I'm not good enough? Now, she had been a Christian for Decades, she knows, you know, we're saved by faith, not by our works. So she, she trusted in Christ. She, but she's a human being in the hospital. What are you afraid of? What if I'm not good enough? This whole idea of having a Savior, maybe it doesn't sound like a, a big deal in a way. We, we've heard it. I think every sermon this Advent series has talked about a Savior in some fashion. Maybe we've grown up with it. Maybe we've committed our life to Christ for decades and, and gotten kind of used to it. But, but then I think when it really matters, it matters all the time, but especially you're in a hospital and you've got no good options. And they don't send in a doctor or a surgeon to discuss Treatment options, they send somebody in to make you comfortable. Do you have a great God, a Savior for that situation? Pastor Brad last Sunday reminded us God's answer to our cry for help, our deepest need, is not a quick fix. God's answer is the birth of a Savior. Mary believed that and she rejoiced in God, her Savior. Sometimes we sing the song, in, in Christ Alone. I think we sang it three or four Sundays ago. One of the lines in the song said, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. If that's true for you, and you can say, I, I've got no, no guilt in life, 
No fear in death. You can rejoice in God your Savior. People like to be associated with, with uh, a winning team. Now, I'm from, uh, I mentioned, I'm from Minnesota. So my teams are the Twins and the Vikings. Yeah. So I'm used to losing. Yeah. But, but see, now, that doesn't mean that I don't take at least some joy on those occasions that they do win. You know, I mean, I'll take what, and the Vikings are in the playoffs, so... You know, if, if we can take, I'll say, $2 joy on being even associated with a winning team, how much more joy if we are associated with, with God's saving work, his ultimate victory, his work in the world? You see how this can work? If we have that mindset? I said ingredients for lasting joy are a, a great God and a humble heart. All this talk about having a, a, a great God, he's mighty, powerful, doer of the impossible, and, and a savior and all that. Really, it is all academic if, if that great God isn't received. And actually, this is even the harder part because we can think, okay, I received Christ when I was in third grade, something like that. If, if, if we don't live day by day by day with this God, it, it's a bit academic. I don't think we have that lasting joy unless we embrace this great God and live with him. I don't think joy happens. Mary said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And some translations read the humble state of his slave or bond slave. I don't always like that word. It just, ugh. It, but it emphasizes that that Christ owns us, and we we resist somebody telling us what to do. We don't. We resist even when we're talking about God giving Him ownership, giving Him control over our life. But that's the language. We're, we're His servant. We're His slave. And, and if you're proud, I mean, there's a healthy pride and you feel good about yourself and, and that, or there's an unhealthy pride that can, God, I don't need you. If you have that kind of unhealthy pride that you push God away, that joy is going to elude you. you. You go away empty. Just like those third graders needed to receive the, those dollar bills, we need to receive all, all that God is, and probably repeatedly so, day by day, God, all that you are, because we are so needy, we need to humbly acknowledge where we are and accept all that he is and what he does for us. Earlier in in this talk, I said, I think we need to take joy more seriously. And reference uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, you know, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. It is literally impossible to be joyful, prayerful, thankful every second, every moment of every day of our existence. The thought behind it is these things are frequent. It's like, okay, right now I'm I'm looking at you, and yet out of the corner of my eye, my perfume vision, I can see my hand here. 
Okay? It's like joy, prayer, thanks. It can be just out of the corner of our eye. It's always there. It's never far away. And, and talking about joy, I hope joy, in the midst of whatever else we're doing, it, it's never far away. That, that's the character trait. That's the challenge. What I've said about joy isn't everything. Certainly, it's a huge topic. But this is a starting point. $2 joy, I, I've got no problem with that. That's wonderful. Okay? But joy in the Bible runs deeper than that. It's rooted in a great God. It's received by a humble heart. And even that alone, it, it's easier to, to speak it out like I'm doing now than to live it out. But that's a challenge. And, and I hope this Christmas, and actually all through the year, I, I really hope we take joy more seriously. Amen. Pray with me. Lord God, some of us may find that that acknowledging you, embracing who you are, maybe maybe that is the the hard part of all this. Maybe for for others, it's it's that humility part that that's a real sticking point. Maybe. I know for me, uh, consistency is a big difficulty. Lord God, help us, whatever the difficulty, help us to overcome that so we can know and have that deep, lasting joy. For Christ's sake, amen.